0: One day, a couple of weeks back, Amber walks into the bathroom and I'm standing in front of the sink, in front of the big mirror above the sink, but I have a handheld mirror in my hand also. And I'm like very awkwardly trying to look at the back of my scalp. And Amber says, what are you doing? And I said, well, you know, I'm afraid that I'm starting to get a bald spot right here. And so I'm like, just trying to see, like, am I imagining it? Is it really there? And she's like, here, let me take a look. And so she spends about 15 minutes kind of parting my hair this way and that look at 15 seconds, sorry, 15 (laughs) seconds, parting my scalp and looking around. She was doing a thorough job, you guys. 15 seconds looking at my scalp. And finally, she's like, nah, I don't think so. I think you're good. I don't know if in that moment, she was just being kind to me, which I appreciate, by the way. I'm not sure I really wanted to hear the answer, Um, but you know, it was helpful. And the reason why is because that bald spot, is a blind spot to me. I can't see it myself. The only way that I'm going to know what's really going on back there is if I get outside perspective. If somebody else tells me the reality that I am unable to see for myself. So periodically, I got to have Amber take a look. Babe, can you just do a bald spot check for me? And uh, she's like, oh, I think you're still good, which is always good, you know, great to hear. But of course, it's not just me that has blind spots. Everybody has blind spots. They're a reality for each of us. Your eyes have blind spots, whether you realize it or not. Your car certainly has blind spots. Your mind has blind spots. And hey, our church has blind spots as well. We all have areas of our life that we cannot see clearly. And the only way that we're going to get to the truth, the reality, is if we let other people speak into our situation. Now, look, when somebody reveals a blind spot to you, it is not always easy to take, is it? Sometimes it can hurt. Like if you have a friend that comes to you and says, listen, I don't know if you're aware or not, and I don't think you mean to do this, but a lot of times you come across as really demanding to other people. It's like, oh, I don't want to hear that. I don't like hearing that, but I probably need to hear that if uh, maybe you get called into the HR office at uh, your workplace and they're like, so look, this is awkward, but we've had some complaints about your personal hygiene, right? You can either get defensive or you can start wearing deodorant, okay? (laughs) And if you think that would never happen, then you've clearly never worked in HR, all right? It is an issue for sure. The key here is when people reveal our blind spots to us, it can be tough to take, but having people show you what and where your blind spots are is necessary if you want to grow. You with me? Has to happen if you want to grow. We're learning this the hard way here at Connect Church. So a couple weeks ago, I got a message from a guy, head of a family, so to speak, and he said, hey, I'm just letting you know we're leaving the church. Oh, dang, Why? What what I thought everything was cool. I just saw you last week. Why? He said, "Well, we showed up. We started attending for a couple of months. And after a couple months, we looked around and said like, we've been here a bit now, but we don't have any friendships in the church." So I thought to myself, the guy, saying, I thought to myself, "Well, maybe Dan's right. Maybe what needs to happen is I need to get plugged in. And if I get plugged in, then I'll finally have all those friendships I've been looking for." So, I joined the dream team. My wife joined the dream team. My kids would have joined the dream team if you would have let them, Dan. But after serving for two more months, we still didn't have any connections. And so we've decided that we're going to leave and go find another church where we can actually make some friends. The name of our church is Connect Church, and there are people that do not feel connected. That's not good. Not good at all. And to be honest, when, when I heard this or when I read this guy's email, my first reaction was kind of like, oh, I'm so sorry that he had that experience, but that's not Typical right? Like, of course, we're a friendly church. Of course, we're a welcoming church. There are 350 people here every Sunday, and they're all hanging out in the lobby, and I see smiles and high fives, and everybody else is connecting and having a great time building deep and meaningful friendships. It's unfortunate, but it's a rare exception. And then God said, oh, really? (laughs) And so that same doggone week, I heard another story of somebody who said, yeah, we stopped coming because just didn't have any friends. And then I heard another story of somebody who didn't leave the church, but they were saying, yeah, I've been here a while, and I just don't really feel very connected. And no exaggeration, then I heard another one, another one, another one. Now I sound like Colette. It's just like it keeps going. I'm hearing this way too often way too often for any church, much less a church named Connect Church. See, as it turns out, we have a blind spot in this congregation. We have a blind spot. We think we're friendly in this church, but not everybody would agree. And it's easy to say, well, no, I've got plenty of friends. But maybe, just maybe, like any blind spot, like my blind spot over here, we need to let some outside perspective reach us so that we can address something that needs to change so that we can be the church that God wants us to be. So in this month's series, what we're going to do is we're going to examine some of the things that we just take for granted at Connect Church. Like we walk around all the time and we're like, yeah, we're a welcoming church and we're a friendly church and we're a diverse church and we're a family. And we're really going to ask the question, are we though? Like, are we for real though? Like it's easy to say, but are we for real? That's what this series is all about. And I'm going to be clear with you. This series is designed to poke and provoke. I've been telling our dream team. I've been telling our overseers, guys, pray for me because I'm trying to piss people off. I'm not exaggerating. I want to step on your toes today. If you're a first-time visitor, sorry, but in this series... I'm going to try to step on your toes. Thankfully, not so much today. It'll be like later. So, you know, you're probably safe for today. If you're a staff member at Connect Church, I'm here to step on your toes. If you're a regular attender, I'm going to step on your toes this series. If you're an OG launch team member, step, step. (laughs) Because we have a blind spot. And unless and until we address the blind spot, we can say whatever we want to about Connect Church. But there are going to be people that walk in and what they experience is different from what they hear and they're going to walk away saying the church is fake. I don't want that, neither do you. So, let's get started. That was the intro, the (laughs) preamble. Those are the nicest things I'm going to say. Luke chapter number 14, we're going to read what's often referred to as the parable of the wedding banquet. Luke 14, we're going to read verses 16 to 23. They'll all be here on the screen. Follow along with me. Jesus replied with this story. He says, the kingdom of God is like a man who prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, come home, the banquet's ready. But they all began making excuses. One said, well, I've just bought a field and I have to go inspect it, so sorry, I can't make it. Please excuse me. Another said, yeah, I've just bought five pair of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. And another one said, I just got married, so my wife won't let me come, okay? It's just how it is. The servant returned and told the master what all the guests had said. His master was furious and said, go quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame After the servant had done this, he reported to the master, there's still room for more people. So his master said, go into the country, the lanes behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. Okay. According to this parable, Jesus says the kingdom of God and understand the church is just like the local visible expression of the, of the kingdom of God. Okay. So like, although Jesus is not specifically talking about any individual church here, he is talking about the kingdom of God and the local church is supposed to be the embodiment of the kingdom of God. According to Jesus, the kingdom of God and local churches should be welcoming to everyone. Now, of course, when I hear that, I'm like, oh, good. Because Connect Church is welcoming to everyone. Like, there is nobody that would be turned away. We are a welcoming church. It's one of my favorite things. I'm so proud of just how open and accessible and welcoming this church is. But before I get real defensive, I want to just ask the question, but are we really, though? Because it's easy to say, but are we really? So let's ask the question this morning, are we welcoming? Are we really welcoming? Maybe we'll ask some questions like, what would a truly welcoming church look like? Or because you understand every church thinks they're a welcoming church. You realize that no church is like, no, we're not welcoming, no, no, no. Every church thinks they're a welcoming church. So what would be the difference between a church that merely thinks that they're welcoming and a church that is truly welcoming? How are we gonna make connect the most welcoming place in the city of Calgary. Well, look, there are, I just threw out a lot of questions and there are a lot of potential answers to those questions, but let me give you one just for today. And we'll talk about some other ones later. A church that thinks they're welcoming, they say something like, anyone can come. Anyone can come. And if you kind of just first blush, read that, it sounds right, doesn't it? It sounds spiritual. It's like, yeah, the church should be open and accessible to anybody. The the gospel is for anybody. So yeah, anyone can come. That is what a friendly church says. No, that's what a church that thinks they're friendly, but really might not be. That's the sort of stuff that they say. Now, it is a true statement. Okay, In this parable of the, the banquet, the master tells the servant, go out and find anyone you can to come. So yes, the doors are open, the kingdom is available for anyone, and anyone can come. And as I look around at Connect, I think to myself, yeah, this is the kind of church that anyone can come to. Look at people from all different nationalities, we've got different ages represented, different socioeconomic classes, different religious backgrounds, like our church is proof that anyone can come, right? 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 But there's a few problems with this anyone can come philosophy. The primary one is that it's too passive. It doesn't require any involvement or investment on the part of the congregation. When we say anyone can come, it's like, yeah, the doors are open. We don't have any bouncers in the foyer. Nobody's like you don't have to show ID. You don't have to pay a cover charge. Anyone can come. There are empty seats. Anybody who wanted these seats right here can come sit in them, right? but that doesn't require anything of us. It's like unlock the doors, turn on the lights. And if people show up, cool, they're welcome. That is not what God has in mind for his kingdom. His goal for his church is not like, yeah, just don't be rude when people show up. Like that's, that's what God asks of you. No, he's got so much more in mind. Go back to the parable. Okay. Jesus says the master of the the banquet doesn't say to the servants, now look, when the guests show up, could you just be chill with them? Could you be polite? Could you be nice? They're our guests. No. He says, go get them. Go find them. Engage them. Invite them. Urge them. Do anything you can so that there are no empty seats. You see, anyone can come. It's like, yeah, we're here. And anybody who wants to join us, Is welcome, but it has to be more than that. A church that thinks they're welcoming says anyone can come, but a church that is actually welcoming says everybody should come. Everybody should be here. Now that's a subtle, but it's an important difference. We're not just saying, like, yeah, we're here, and anybody who wants to fill a seat is welcome. No, there is a missionary impulse inside of us that says, it's not okay that there are empty seats. Because right. every empty seat represents a person who's going to spend another week without God. Yes. I want my friends and family in the kingdom. That's right. I want my boss to find Jesus. Are you with me? Yes. There is this desire in us, not just that people would show up, but that we're waiting for them to show up. We're willing for them to show up. We're excited that they would show up. This is what God wants. When a stranger walks in for the first time, we aren't polite. We're thrilled. We don't ignore them. We strike up a conversation. How freaking easy is it? Say, hey, my name's Dan. What's your name? How long you been coming? What do you do? Oh, those are your kids are so cute. But we don't do that, not consistently. We don't complain because we can't find a seat. You're like, well, there are plenty of seats. Come to the 11 a.m. service and you will find that is not true. No, we don't complain because we have to give up our seats or we, have, we can't find a seat. It said we give up our seats. We're like, oh, yeah. this is your first time? Why don't you take my seat? It's cool. I, I can go sit over here in the front. No big deal to me. Why don't you take this one? Or, hey, Uh, I'll come to the early service. If there are too many seats full in the second service, then I'll come to the early one. That's like the tiniest sacrifice I could make so that somebody's eternity could be transformed. It's not anybody can come if they want. Everybody should come. They should be here. We don't just hope that our loved ones are gonna show up someday. No, 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 we pursue them. We engage them. We invite them over and over and they get mad. And we're like, "I know you're upset, and I know you've said no 30 times, but you don't understand how this changed me, and I want it to change you too." There is a desire for everyone and a belief that they should be here. Hear me now. Just because a church is open to anyone doesn't mean that it's welcoming to everyone. You with me? Saying, yeah, we're open to anyone is not the same as saying, boy, I want everyone here. And every person that's not here, it's a burden. It grieves me a little bit because I know what it's like to live without Jesus. And I don't want anybody to experience that. Just because a church is polite doesn't mean that it's friendly. Imagine for a moment, the Coast Guard gets word of a sinking ship out in the ocean. And the Coast Guard responds to the call by zooming to the general vicinity of the accident. And before they get there, they're nearby, they're within sight. They drop anchor and they say, okay, anybody who can get here is welcome aboard. Come on, come on, come on, swim, 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 swim. You can do it. And then straggling and wet on the verge of dying, a couple people pull themselves aboard and the Coast Guard is like, we're so glad you're here. There are towels right over there and there's food on deck three. Let us know if you need anything. That is precisely how Connect Church has been operating for a real long time. Who bears responsibility for that? Me and you. If the Coast Guard did that, they'd be derelict in their duty. And Connect Church has been derelict in its duty for too long. So before we move on, I want to focus just for a moment on that word everyone. You know, it's like I said there, our attitude should be everyone should be here. We want everyone here. Like when a guest shows up, it brings joy to us. Like we celebrate as a staff how many first time guest cards we have turned in because every one of those represents somebody that showed up for the very first time. That should be the way that we view this, okay? But I really wanna just laser focus on that word everyone for a few moments. Remember, this was the command from the master at the banquet. When uh, he, he says in verse number 23, basically, he says, I want you to go find everyone you possibly can. I don't care what their situation is. I don't care if they're close by. I don't care if they were originally invited. I don't care if they like me. Go get them, bring them here, because I want the house to be full. Think about that word everyone for just a moment. Go find, go engage, go bring People that don't seem like they should belong in a church. Go find the ones that when they show up, people are looking at it and they're like, well, I did not expect these different sorts of people to all be sharing life together. This is pretty wild. I can't think of another, another group. In, in life in which this diverse, uh, a group of people seem to really love being with one another. Gather people that might not normally be at a party together. See, that's the beauty of the gospel of Christ. It unites people that are normally divided. You realize that? That God's grace is, it supersedes any of the stuff that would normally keep us away from one another. Because we live in a different quadrant of the city or we have a different skin color or we make different amounts of money or we have different political affiliations. All of these things mean that we would normally not hang out and have wings together. But because of the good news of Jesus, because of the mercy and grace of God present in our lives, I don't care if you vote differently than me. I don't care if you live in a different quadrant of the city. I don't care if you don't speak English as your first language. I'm happy you're here. And I want to get to know you. I want to share my life with you. Because that's what church is supposed to be. If it's a show, it's a waste. And I don't want to waste my time or your time. So, like the master commands, let's fill this house with every kind of person. Let's fill the house with people of every political affiliation. Are you okay if a bunch of liberals start walking into our church doors and they start talking about how much they love JT? (laughs) Not Timberlake. Are you okay with that? If you walk into the parking lot and you see a big old pickup truck And it's got a middle finger and Trudeau on it. (laughs) Are you going to say, oh, no, I couldn't fit in here. Let's fill the house with different kinds of people. Let's fill the house with framers and farmers and doctors and people living on government subsidies. Let's make Connect Church the kind of place that boomers and babies both love. That's impossible, Dan. No, it's not. It can be done. Grandmas and grandbabies can love Connect Church if we make it a welcoming place. Let's welcome Muslims. Let's welcome Reiki masters. Let's welcome Catholics. Let's welcome some Pentecostals. Oh, you thought that was too far. (laughs) Let's welcome members of the LGBTQ community. Let's welcome people from every ethnicity, every tribe, every people, group, and language on earth. Not just, you can come. No, we want you here. You want me to really throw a grenade? I don't know. I'm going to tell you right now, this is the thing that's got me nervous, but it needs to be said. Why is it, why is it that typically... Not always, but usually. Connect groups that are led by white people have white and brown people in them. But Connect groups that are led by brown people usually only have brown people in them. Not always, but often here at Connect. Maybe we should stop celebrating how diverse we are and talk about how divided we still are. All the Africans are out there hanging out chatting, having a good old time. And the white people are over there having a good old chat. And the Filipinos are having a good old chat. And the Mexicans are like, what about us? It's like we're divided. We say we're welcoming because look at how many different people groups there are. But the church is not supposed to be that way. The church is supposed to be one people united together. I, I am... Okay. No, 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 no. We're the reason that it's not that way. You clap. You clap. I clap. But it's our fault that it's that way. We think we're welcoming. And I swear to God, we're not. And so I'm begging you guys, don't just clap when you hear the rhetoric. Go talk to an African in the freaking lobby. Please, go say hi. Treat each other like people, and you're glad that they're here. Go find somebody that smells. There are a couple. And don't let it keep you away. Say to yourself, you got meth mouth, but Jesus loves you. And I want to love you too. I'm brokenhearted, to be frank with you. Because from the outside, our church seems to be doing so well. But there are blind spots. And my friends, until we address those blind spots, we're never going to be the people, the community, that God intended for us to be now. You say, yeah, but listen, Dan, Dan, Dan. I mean, you just threw a lot of different people groups at us. And some of those people are going to have to change if they want to belong to the kingdom of God. Wrong. It's not that some of those people have to change in order to belong to the kingdom of God. Every single one of us must allow ourselves to be changed by the Holy Spirit, in order to belong to the kingdom of God. So you say, oh, members of that community, they're not ready yet. You don't understand the heart of the Father. You don't understand the gospel, the grace of Jesus. You you have to understand, our our willingness to welcome everyone, it's not born out of some modern idea of tolerance and inclusion, right? It's not like, yeah, everybody knows that everybody should be able to get along and be welcome and all that sort of stuff. That's not where this comes from. It comes from a gospel understanding. See, the modern idea of inclusion is like, everybody's okay. You just need to love and accept everybody. The gospel says nobody's okay. Everybody needs to be changed. Everybody has sin that has to be dealt with, that has to be addressed. And so, if you say, Well, the people in that group, they're the ones that Jesus needs to change. And when they change, then they'll be ready to belong to this family. Can I just tell you, you don't belong to this family? Not yet. Because you haven't let go of the pride. You haven't let go of the idea that you are okay. You don't really need a Savior, or you don't need a Savior anymore. Maybe you did when you were a wild and out 20 something, but you don't need a Savior now. You don't understand the gospel. When you come to understand just how wild it is that God welcomed you into his family, you stop having problems welcoming them into his family. All right. There's an evangelist named D.T. Niles, and he's got this very famous quote. He says, We Christians are just beggars telling other beggars where we found bread. There's nothing special about us, there's nothing special about me. I'm a beggar that found the bread of life in Jesus. And I won't rest until all 1.5 million people in Calgary have found the bread of life in Jesus. I I am not some paragon. I am not holding myself up here. But like, I sold my house. Well, I didn't sell my house. I couldn't. I tried. (laughs) I sold my truck. I cashed in all of my retirement. I left behind the beach. I said tearful goodbyes to all of my friends and family. I gave up my country and I came to this one so that you would know Jesus. That's what I live for. It's my privilege. I, I, you don't need to feel guilty. That was my decision, not your decision. I'm not putting any weight or responsibility. It is my privilege. It is my joy. It is the best decision I've ever made to give my life to helping people find God. I just want the same thing for you. I want you to help the people on your block fall in love with Jesus. That's it. If he's been good to you, he'll be good to them. And yeah, it's not always easy, and sometimes they don't want to hear it and all those sorts of things. That's fine. Don't quit. Don't give up. Keep loving. Keep pursuing. Keep pursuing. Go if, if you can't find them on your block, go to a different block. Okay, go out into the country, the lanes, the alleyways. Find anybody you can and tell them there is a party, and not just that they're invited, but the master wants them there. Yes. So does everybody else. We shouldn't forget what Peter told us. Second Peter, chapter three, verse nine. He says this: The Lord isn't really being slow about His promise. To return, as some people think. It's been 2,000 years. Y'all still believe Jesus is coming back? Get it through your thick skull. Peter says, he's not being slow. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to perish, but he wants everyone to repent. The entire reason the sun rose this morning was so that there would be one more day for people to hear that they're invited to the banquet to say yes, to show up and to eat the bread of life. We think the sun rose so that I could have a day off or I could make some money or I could enjoy my children. Wrong. The reason Jesus could come back at literally any moment. And the reason he's chosen to wait for 2000 years already, and he might wait 2000 more is so that people like me and you would be included in eternity. If you got saved last Sunday, but Jesus had come back two weeks ago, where would that have left you? The master wants the house full. He wants everybody to be at the party. He wants everybody to know that they're invited. And so we have to remember that a growing church is God's goal. It is. A growing church is God's goal. God is the one who says this house should be full. God is the one who tells us to keep inviting, keep welcoming. Now, look, I, I know I've got to check my ego on this because it's like, well, yeah, a growing church is also good for Pastor Dan, ain't it? Yes, it is. And if I'm doing it for my ego, then it's like a house built on sand. It will collapse. There will be a day that I am no longer your pastor. As far as I know, that is decades in the future but I have no clue what tomorrow's going to bring. So there will be a day in which it doesn't matter whether Connect Church grows to Dan or not. It will always matter to God whether seats are full and people's lives are being transformed. God will never stop caring about that. He's never going to stop caring about your family members. He's never going to stop caring about your grandbabies. He's never going to stop caring about your coworkers. He's never going to stop caring about people. And neither should we. Okay, so I want to leave you with a couple of thoughts this morning. Just two things. And frankly, one of these things, the first thing is aimed at the leadership of Connect Church. So if you're not leadership, however you might want to define that, you can kind of just like, eh, this is for them. But then I'm going to talk to you, okay? So first thing I want us to keep in mind is that we have to love people more than crowds. We have to love people more than crowds a church that thinks they're welcoming, they say, wow, look at the crowd this morning. Like they keep growing. It grows every week. This is awesome. Look at how well the church is doing. But a truly welcoming church isn't concerned with the size of the crowd. It's the people who make up the crowd that matter. We know each other's stories in the crowd. We share our lives with one another. You know, when somebody comes to the church, like for the first time, usually they kind of want to remain like anonymous, nameless, faceless in the crowd, but nobody wants to stay that way. Give them a week or two, let them check it out. Once they find out it's all right, then we have to start engaging. We have to start chatting. It's like the bare minimum that a church should be doing. It's got to happen. So if we love people well, then the crowd will come. It's like as simple as that. Chase the crowd, you might get the crowd, but you won't love people, which means you don't have the heart of God. But if you love people well, then the crowds will come inevitably. It's just how it works because people so rarely find a community in which they're genuinely loved in 2023. Team leads. You guys want a team that is like crowded, full of volunteers? You're not going to get it by like us honing backstage, like just up in the pizza it's like we no lie we used to do little caesars now we do papa john's you're not going to get volunteers that way team leads you know how you get volunteers love people well love them well I, i know you're busy and i know you got like people to manage and all that sort of stuff but like what if you just like went in the lobby and started introducing yourself to randos you might find volunteers like a lot of them that way group leaders Got a new semester of connect groups starting up. I'm so stoked. I'm in two. Not leading any this time, but I'm in two. Just shout out. Serving at the drop-in center on Tuesdays, playing board games on Fridays. You ever want to come hang out? Let's do it. Group leaders, you want a group that's like overflowing? You want a group that people like start the semester and finish the semester? Just love them well. Like you don't have to have the best Bible study. You don't have to have the best food. You don't have to have the coolest board games. All you got to do is like really get to know some people, quit faking it, and people will come. We love people more than we love crowds. And secondly, and this is where I start talking to everybody, we have to love people more than our own comfort. We have to love other people more than our own comfort. Because the more that a church grows the more issues are going to arise. You have to park further away than you like. The ushers make you sit closer to the stage than you want to. You don't have the same access to the pastors that you did when we were a church of 150. It takes you longer to get your kids checked in now because there are a lot of families waiting in line. And it can be so easy to resent those things So you have to remind yourself that these things are not to be hated or resented. They're supposed to be celebrated. All of that is evidence that the mission is being fulfilled, that the party is growing, that the master's kingdom, his banquet is filling up with people, which is the whole reason he threw the banquet in the first place. So instead of feeling frustration over these things, we stay humble. We stay joyful, glad to do whatever it takes so that everybody can come and experience what we have. This is what it means to be a welcoming church. And I'm just telling you, as I take stock of Connect, we are not there yet. But by God's grace, we're going to get there. Together, we are going to get there. And this is going to be, I'm just telling you, I believe this with every fiber of my being. Like by the end of this year, this place will be overflowing. We're gonna be at three services and it will be overflowing. You say, oh, there Dan goes trying to build his church. No, I'm trying to build Christ's church. I want people saved. I want people here. And we're gonna make that happen together. If you're here for the first time, you're like, "Boy, I picked an awkward Sunday to show up. <laughs> yes, you did. I'm sorry. However, I'm actually really glad you're here today. Like not just in the, whew, that's one less FTC, seat. Thank you. No, I'm glad you're here because I want you to hear the kind of church that we are becoming. And maybe you've been coming for a couple of months and you're like, whew, um, I've been here and I still don't feel connected. The problem, it could be with you. We're gonna talk about that next week, but the problem is also with us. And so we're owning it. And I'm asking you to stay a little patient. And next week, I'm gonna ask you to get a little more engaged. And we're going to make this into a church where you have your best friendships. That's my goal, okay? That's what we wanna do together. We want this to be the kind of church That everybody should come to. Everybody should be here. God, I'm begging you by the power of your Spirit to convict us. To convict us. Convict me more and more that I don't love people the way that I should but I want to get better. And I believe that your Holy Spirit can help me. And God, your Holy Spirit can help everybody that's here. So I'm asking, Lord God, that you would fan the flame of evangelism inside of our hearts. Fan the flame of hospitality in Connect Church. God, I am praying by your grace alone and our obedience to your commands that Connect Church would truly be the most welcoming and friendly church in the city of Calgary. I don't care for the biggest, God. I'm not asking for the best building. Lord, I'm asking that we would be the friendliest, most welcoming gospel outpost in this city. Make it so. And God, help us to do our part. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.